All right, hello everybody. This is your favorite Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I am your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell. And today we're going to be looking at Spider-Man comics from... What month are we uh, Are we even? I can't even remember. I think we're in... That's a good question. Uh, let me check my notes here. We we're are, in... Uh, uh, no one knows. February of 1983. <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, yep. We're going to start with The Amazing Spider-Man number 237. Then we're going to move to Marvel Team-Up 127. And then finish things off with Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man number 75. That's right. And this week we have two special guests. We have returning guests, G.I. Jolie. G.I. Jolie, say hello, please. Hello. Oh, sorry, I was on mute. Hello. <laughs> right. What's up? Woo. All right, yeah. G.I. Jolie is the producer of the comic book syndicate, and we also have a very special guest this week who we've never had on before. This is our pal from uh, the country with the highest death rate of COVID-19 patients. Woo-hoo. This is Ted Wood. Yeah. Woo. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we are going to be number one. Oh, yeah. man. All right. Uh. So, Ted, uh, you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're a comic book artist, correct? Yes, yes. So, I currently live in Camden, New Jersey, which is just outside Philadelphia. Um, and awesome. I, let's see, like, for, like, I met all of you when I was uh, doing conventions and such in Michigan because I lived there for six years. And so, I've been doing a lot of self publishing, do, been doing some random freelance jobs and stuff, but I'm just kind of, uh, working on my own graphic novel right now, and that is taking forever. Um, and also doing some other projects and stuff, doing convention. Well, I'm not doing conventions now because we've got this <laughs> yeah. whole quarantine going. Mm-hmm. So, uh, good times. But I teach uh, normally. I teach a bunch of uh, kids and teens classes, and yeah, just kind of doing the fun stuff of being in the comics world. So, not a whole lot to it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's hope there is a comic book world after this is all over. Um, oh, yeah. I'm crossing <laughs> my fingers. Yeah. We, uh, we've had you as a guest at our conventions action a few times. Yeah. And we've had yeah. you do a paint night, and we're looking forward Ooh. to having you back again oh, as a yeah. guest at both oh, of those. Man. So. Yeah. The, the paint night that I did um, last year was a lot of fun. It was this Harry Potter-themed thing. And actually, I did another one for you all as well. It was the... Um, the one at that that bar, um, and that was yes, I mean oh, packed box. houses yeah. in both cases, but yeah, yeah. Um, plan on doing some more paint nights once uh, you know we're allowed to leave our homes, so that'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be great. Yeah. So before we jump in here, really quickly, just tell us: uh, Are you a Spidey fan? I so like my Spider-Man fandom history is not as like dynamic or spectacular and amazing um, <laughs> as, as perhaps others um, I got into Spider-Man like as as a kid watching the 90s cartoon where he's blaming himself all the time and it was great <laughs> loved it um, and and yeah like I remember vividly remember seeing the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie in theaters and that was just the coolest mm-hmm. thing ever like I just never seen anything like that before because my experience with Spider-Man in live action up to that point had been the 70s TV movie like 
very valiantly effort <laughs> sure, <laughs> that they yeah. made. Oh Not my great. god! But that that was such a cool experience. So yeah, but yeah, I would definitely consider myself a Spider-Man fan. Sweet. Now here's the thing: I read a lot of '70s and '80s comics. Yeah. And you, I, I, your first comment when we when we called was that it, we're in a completely different world now, right? Like these comics. Yeah are a lot different from the comics that are made now. And I definitely want to touch on that as we're reviewing each comic. Yeah. We'll focus on the different the, the, the differences in the style of the writing and the art. And uh, so yeah, that'll be a, a cool perspective because I read honestly majority of Bronze Age comics, so I have probably a different perspective than you. But yeah, so yeah let's jump. Yeah. So let's jump in now. So first we're going to start with Amazing Spider-Man number 237. So Obviously, Josh and I, we review um, every month of Spider-Man. So we've been covering Amazing now for, well, I guess... 30-something 30 30 30 months. 30-something months. Yeah. And so <laughs> this is actually this is by the regular writer, Roger Stern, but the artist is a fill-in artist, Bob Hall, who Jolie and I met a couple years ago at a convention. He's a really nice guy. He's mostly known for doing Squadron Supreme and Shadow Man for Valiant. Um, the art is not as good as what we're used to with John Romita Jr. because John Romita Jr. is awesome. He's one of the best in the industry, but this is still decent art, and it's inked by uh, Jim Mooney, who's a who's a or sorry Frank Giacoya, who's a, yeah he's a veteran of the industry. So it's definitely still got that classic Spidey feel. But um, I'll just really qu- quickly sum up the st- sum up the story. Basically, we have this classic Daredevil villain named the Stilt Man, <laughs> who is kind of down on himself because you know he's a failure as a supervillain. And so he basically cooks up this scheme to, uh, it's funny because I just read this and I barely remember what happened, but um, <laughs> he basically <laughs> cooks up this scheme to kind of um, re, um, what's it called? Like, uh, amplify the powers of his stilts, right? right? But he ends up crossing paths with with Spider-Man, and this is a, in a really cool twist. What happens is he tries to use this gas can- canister to sort of subdue Spidey, but Spider-Man realizes that um, Stiltman is going to get killed by this this laser gun, this sonic disruptor, that is uh, kind of an automatic defense of this laboratory. And so Peter Parker risks his life to save save Stiltman. And because Stiltman realizes that, he's like, well, you know what? I, I could just kill him. No one will see me do it. But he did just try to save me. So he has second thoughts. He carries Spider-Man out to the police and lets him, uh, leaves him and then he takes off. And he's like, well, that's it. We're even. And then that's mm-hmm. the end. So very interesting Spider-Man story from Roger Stern. Um, I definitely enjoyed it. Again, it's not quite as good as the regular issues, but I definitely enjoyed it. But uh, Ted, I'd like to hear what your impression was of uh, this issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, first of <laughs> all, um, I think my favorite thing about it is honestly that cover is is really mm-hmm. super awesome. Like I I um, took a hand lettering class when I was in art school and. Um, and we had, like just looked at all these like different ways of doing cool lettering effects and everything in comics, and of course looked at a lot of like Will Eisner cool spirit covers and everything. Um, right. But yeah, like any time where the characters on a cover are somehow interacting with the the title and the issue number and everything, like breaking the fourth wall like that, I always love that. Uh, yep. And so that's just that's just really really cool to me, and it's this like super dynamic, downward shot, really cool three D mm-hmm. look to it and everything, and 
Yeah, like, I mean, of course, anytime you have, like, oh my gosh, like, Spider-Man's down for the count, like, that makes mm-hmm. people want to pick up the, the book, of course, so, mm-hmm. so yeah, like, I just, I loved this cover, um, but, yeah, so, like, I can definitely see, like, how, how this is not the normal, like, kind of awesomeness of your, your standard <laughs> Spider-Man comics of that, of that period, um, and I think, like, for me, part of it, uh, what kind of made me kind of like, ah, this isn't so great, is, like, for the first half of it, it's, like, a lot of flashbacks and just talking yeah. and remembering mm-hmm. and, like, okay, yeah, it's, like, we're getting a couple of panels of, like, kind of action-looking stuff, but it's just catching us up on what, in theory, a lot of readers already know, um, but, right. but yeah, it's, like, it's it's pretty fun, uh, once, once like the action kind of starts up, it's like okay, Spider-Man's on his trail or something like that. Um, I really liked the subway scene, uh, which was really cool. Um, and then yeah, like the action in the the science lab was a lot of fun. Like all these cool like Spider-Man dodging lasers shots. Um, like I, I feel like as as an artist myself one of the pulls for drawing Spider-Man is always, like, his crazy acrobatic poses that he does. Um, Just, like, all the cool, like, ways of bending the body. And I'll actually, like, when I talk about Spectacular, I'll get into that because it gets a little crazy with some of those poses. (laughs) But, but yeah, and, um, yeah, it was just the... I feel like it was just the second half that was, like, the actual story that we all wanted to read of like, okay, where's, where's sure. the action start, you know, but sure. my, my brief thoughts. And what did you think of the resolution of the story? Did you like that? It was interesting. Um, I like the fact that, um, it's not just another like, okay, Spider-Man punches the bad guy and takes him to the cops and swings away. Like that's, it's something different. It's something, uh, unexpected. And yeah, we see like, I think it goes in the theme with Spider-Man in general. It's like, okay, Spider-Man is a vulnerable character. He's a very relatable character. He's someone that, you know, has problems and everything. And so like the fact that he gets defeated, uh, by, you know, like, you know, doing the right thing and he's down for the count. Um, that's something mm-hmm. that like you wouldn't see like other heroes do or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was really cool to see like something kind of different from your standard superhero, like, you know, clocking out the bad guy and swinging away and then getting the girl and saving the day. So, All right. So G.I. Julie, what was your impression of this story? Do you want my full impression of the story um do you know what i actually liked i actually liked it Mm -hmm. i was shocked because uh it felt like it was going to be filler and it was but um it was kind of nice to you know hang out with stilt man for what it's (laughs) worth stilt man (laughs) is the strangest villain i've ever had to read about a little bit impractical eh uh yeah, but also he's just like it's like welcome to my pity party for five <laughs> to six pages. Um, it was actually kind of nice because he's like, I suck, <laughs> and you get to read about how much I suck. Um, but that's it. I was actually I was actually impressed with the art, I guess. But I mean, we can talk about that later. 
I mean, I remember you said that you didn't like it very much because it's very, it's very much a filler. But I actually like the art. I, I mean, I definitely thought it was good, just not as good as what I'm used to from John Romita Jr. But we can come back to that if you want. Yeah. I, uh, well, I think that the story. Josh, yeah, I, I feel like the story. Um, it it does feel like a filler because it's not necessarily like furthering the the plot and like the grander scheme of things. But yeah, I'm okay mm-hmm. with filler if it if it's a good story right like if, sure, if something sure. is happening and there, there's some you know good creative moments and some fun characters that we're following i'm all for filler and this one right, for me right. really worked especially in the, the later half um again uh the, the the beginning was very uh backstory heavy uh and i i i have said this before and i'm sure i'll say it plenty of times but the readers aren't stupid you know, like even if right, it's aimed right, at kids, right. like kids aren't stupid. They, they they can like, you know, get context with just a couple of lines. So I don't think we necessarily needed to see all the times that Stiltman failed. We could have just had right, him right. like, you know, say a line about how he is constantly being def- defeated by Daredevil and, you know, all the other heroes. But there's there's one hero that I, I almost beat before, and that's Spider-Man. And I think that I have a chance to fight him and then just jump into the story. I think you would well, it, it would give you more time maybe to have um, maybe feel a little bit more sympathetic. Maybe we can actually see him like uh, maybe like we could have seen him like get beat up for a little for a couple of seconds in the the subway to show he's not really that great of a supervillain. Like he needs his stilts to to be right. a good bad guy. Or, you know what I mean? Like right. it would show add, tell, yeah, yeah, it would like add to the to like the sympathetic part of him, and uh, we would it, we would feel near the end like it, it would make sense that he would save spider-man because we see that he's also down on his luck and not always the greatest at being a supervillain. so i think well, that's like the small thing that i would change at the beginning is yeah get that get the like pages upon pages of backstory out and then we could have spent a little bit more time with him to kind of like sympathize with him and, and get to know him a little bit more because at the end i i really love that um, that twist, like Spider-Man is always losing battles. Like this, he he wins, but at the same time is losing. Like he might defeat the bad guy, but then his girlfriend will break up with him, or uh, he'll right, find right. out she has schizophrenia or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I I really like this this idea that like he saves he saves somebody, but by doing so he's left unconscious, and and it's up to the villain to save him now. So like I I really enjoyed it. Well, yeah, and I've been watching a lot of episodes of Batman, the animated series, and also Spider-Man and his amazing friends. And right. I was, you know, if this was an episode, there's no way they could spend eight minutes on flashbacks. Right. right? They'd have to just jump right into it, which ideally is what they would have done here. This this but, could have been like something uh, something similar to the uh, the Mister Freeze. Uh, story in the Batman right. animated series like that before beforehand Mr. Freeze was like a joke like a one-off Batman villain he wasn't big but then with right. Batman the animated series that's when they like gave him that deep uh backstory with uh uh Lo- Laura what's, what's his wife's Nora. name Nora 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 uh yeah. so like you know it's it I think that like giving the bad guys a reason to be bad is is always fun and great and like we can sympathize with them. It's it's not 
it's it's fun to have like bad guys that are just mustache twirling villains if that's what the story calls right. for but for something like this i do kind of want to see a little bit more into their life and like why they chose to be a villain so i think yeah i think i'd be missing that in this one well all i can say is once again i do recommend this issue i would read it again it's you know it's a classic 80s spidey story by roger stern so for that reason, I'm definitely going to recommend it. Uh, Ted, would you recommend this and would you read it again? Yeah, yeah, I'd recommend it because I think, like, for me, um, there's a lot of value in those kind of self-contained single-issue stories, um, which we just don't have a lot of these days. And I think it's a, it would give readers today a very different feel of, like, what they normally get. Mm-hmm. Awesome. G.I. Jolie, do you recommend this issue? Uh, absolutely. Um, if you want to oh, know, I think your mic still- is muted. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good thing I have a backup recording happening. Um, yeah, so absolutely, I would definitely recommend it. Um, I just wanted to like, just as someone who's a fan of art, uh, if you enjoy Daniel Klaus at all, the inks give it a very like Klaus feel. Mm-hmm. And, I can uh, see that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like do you know what? Maybe you're not super into Stiltman, maybe you are, I don't know, uh, but like, come and wallow in this comic, and you'll be pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree, I agree. Okay, so now we are going to jump to Marvel Team-Up, number 126, and Josh, you can take it from here. Sure, so uh, this issue, we actually have two stories, um, yes. and the, the first one, uh, it's with uh, Damien Hellstorm and Luke Cage. Uh, we start off the issue with Damien Hellstorm kind of just showing up in a back alley of New York uh, and he runs into Luke Cage and they have like a little uh, fight for a couple seconds because of course the two heroes have to <laughs> fight yeah. fight for a couple of minutes <laughs> before they, they realize that they're both good guys uh, and then we see that Luke Cage is mourning over his friend's dead body um, and mm-hmm. uh, he his name is uh, Tyrone Gus He's this homeless person that uh, Luke Cage was kind of uh, an acquaintance with and, you know, chatted with every once in a while. So he's pretty upset that this guy's dead. And then all of a sudden he bursts into dust. Like he just kind of uh, like a flash happens and he turns into dust for some reason. And uh, Luke Cage and, and Damien decide to team up to figure out what's going on. And they kind of like roam the streets and they're, you know, asking people what's going on and uh, trying to do some detective work. And then it ends up leading them to this cult called the Sons of Satanish. And uh, <laughs> they summon they summon up a portal and this giant like Satan looking creature pops through. And it turns out that the leader of this cult is his friend Tyrone Gus. And all of the cult members are also yeah. homeless people. And they're upset because they're forgotten about. So they decide to join. They decide to create a devil cult, I guess. Um, Luke Cage and Damien end up fighting them off and the portal closes. But um, as Satanish is being dragged back into the portal, he grabs Tyrone and ends up hurting him. Uh, so, like, by the end of the comic, they, they save him, and the Satanish is pushed to the portal, but, uh, yeah, his his friend Tyrone is hurt pretty bad, and Luke Cage is kind of, like, back to moping around. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, ending, that ending made me laugh out loud, but anyway, yeah, we'll get to that later. I'll be fine at some point. Yeah. Uh, so, then we have uh, another strange story with uh, Spider-Man and the Hulk. Hulk is being... 
chased by the military again, and uh, Spider-Man comes in and uh, starts like starts kind of fighting the Hulk, kind of like uh, leading him out of the city to calm him down. Uh, he ends up calming him down enough where he turns back into Bruce Banner, and uh, Peter he changes quickly back into the Peter Parker perso- persona and goes and helps uh, Bruce Banner, and they t- they're talking for a bit and saying you know. Spider-Man's kind of helping him out. He gives him the, his last $5, and he says something like, uh, you know, so I, when I was down on my luck, somebody gave me $5, and I just see this as, like, passing the torch and kind of, like, helping the next person doing the, doing the right thing. So then after that, Bruce Banner um, also sees I, another homeless person, and he's got these, like, thugs start beating the homeless person up, and Bruce Banner turns into the Hulk, and saves him and as he's walking away he gives the as the hulk he gives the homeless man the five dollars and continues to walk away that's right so <clears throat> yeah <laughs> they well, were yeah let's talk about them separately how about this uh yeah. ted you want to you want to talk about the power man story first yeah yeah definitely um so the so this was interesting because like i you know, I mean, admittedly, I'm more of a DC guy, but I still try to know plenty about Marvel. Um, and I did not, I'd never heard of this character, Son of Satan, before. Um, <laughs> really? I always, yeah, yeah, like, when it came, anytime, like, like the mystic whole side, like Doctor Strange and all that stuff, Ghost Rider of Marvel, like, that's just, that just never really appealed to me. And so, the only like sure. I was thinking about this, I was like, wait, isn't like Blackheart and Mephista? Eh, you know, maybe I'm just like you know, not not hip with the times or something like that. But no, I was um, thinking that too. But yeah, so this is. <clears throat> Go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, I was gonna say I uh, can't remember because Mephisto has a son, but I don't know if the son of Satan. I don't know if Satan is Mephisto or if Satan's Satan. But right. we'll get yeah. to that later. Yeah. It's always, it's always yeah. pretty <laughs> unclear sure. of like what's going on with like real like mythology and stuff like that in the Marvel canon. Like it's always kind of up in the air. Like even Lady Death is supposed to be like that the Marvel Universe version of the devil. I think kind of as well. Like. I think in some stories kind of symbolizes that, but then in others, there's like Mm -hmm. the devil. Like it's, yeah, everything is so weird with that. I'm not sure if there's like a straight answer. (laughs) No, and and I know that like in a lot of cases, like sometimes they were just like, you know, making up characters for a story or something like that. And they were just like, yeah, maybe communication within the departments wasn't exactly great or something. It's like, you know, stuff like that happens when you're trying to, put out comics on a very very quick basis like they were but but yeah I was like okay cool so this is a new character and you got Power Man who's always fantastic and I think like um, so one of my favorite things about uh, this came towards the end of this of this story um, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier where it's like um, comics of this era there's characters talking all the time and it's right. just people jabbering on and on and on and, you know, explaining what they're doing while they're doing it. And the panel is them doing it. So it's, right, so right. it's just there's a little bit of redundancy. And so there's like just lots and lots of reading throughout the entire book. And then towards the end, uh, the 
is yeah the second to last panel um you've got uh luke cage holding his friend you know mourning and grieving and everything and it's a silent panel and and i love that because a silent panel like that in the midst of this whole story where people are talking and talking and talking, it just strikes like lightning. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's Good point. such Good a point. powerful emotional um, thing, a tool for an artist to use where it's just like, okay, just take this moment. This character is grieving and there's this cool ink, you know, dark, you know, art in the background of them. And it's, it's just, and for me, like, uh, Panels. One of the things that I loved that Scott McCloud pointed out is that um, a panel with no dialogue or text in it, you don't know how long that panel lasts in terms of time. And so there's this like timeless feeling of that little moment there, which I think is just really, really fantastic. Um, but yeah, overall, it's aside from that, it's like this, you know, really fun romp of like, okay, we've got to you know, solve this mystery and, you know, team up in a classic Marvel team up way. And yeah, it's just super fun. And then there's this really cool moment towards the end. That's like, wow, really emotional. So yeah, I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. Uh, G.I. Julie, what'd you think of this story? These were terrible. These were <laughs> God awful. Um, it's, it's just like reading Marvel team up. Oh God. I, I like honestly I um I I sort of was skimming the uh Son of Satan uh and Luke Cage story until you got to the part about the cult. I skimmed so much I miss that they were made up of homeless people. That makes me sad. Mm. But um <laughs> yeah. Um Oh god. So, I like a good magic story, but this was not like good in the least. Well, uh, I just got oh, yeah. go I'll and just they, say quickly that this was written by the same guy who did Defenders oh, and okay. who is the regular writer of Marvel Team Up. So yeah, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. But uh, did you want to say anything else about the, the first story, Julie? Okay. The, the <laughs> listeners can't see you shake your head, but I can. Um, okay, so Josh, what did you think of the uh, Power Man, Son of Satan story? Um, yeah, the, that one was definitely not as strong uh, as the other one, but even the Spider-Man Hulk one wasn't fantastic. Um, I, I, I think that this one works <clears throat> better than most Marvel team-up stories because I feel like both of these characters belong here. Uh, I will say mm-hmm. that about it. Like, like it, it, even though Luke Cage and um, uh, Damien don't really like seem to match when you look at them or like talk about like mm-hmm. what their powers mm-hmm. are, but for some reason they, I think they work well together here, working together, and I think it's just because the the story actually has a reason for the two of them to be together. Where normally yeah. Spider Man just kind of swings into somebody else's story, and then you know. We're kind of along for the ride because of that. This this actually feels like these two characters um, should be here. So I definitely enjoyed that. It didn't push me out of the story at the beginning. Um, so it kind of held my attention throughout. Uh, yeah, the, it, it got really wild there with the, the homeless cult, huh? Like, <laughs> Well, <laughs> yeah, again, it just seems like J.M. Dematias just has a bunch of ideas that he just throws into a blender, right? Right. And whether or not they actually fit, he makes them fit. He just mushes them all up, and then this is what you get, right? 
Uh, I, I, I mean, I enjoyed expect- this story on like a B level horror level, but beyond that, uh, not great. I definitely wouldn't read it again. That's for sure. But I didn't hate it. It was yeah. just uh, bizarre, you know? Yeah. Like of all of the people that team up, you team up Luke Cage and the son of Satan. It's like yeah. weird. See, I don't, I don't mind that. Like I, I kind of like the weird team ups if it makes sense. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. if there's a like putting the two opposite characters together and like trying to make that work for a story and like giving them a reason to have to work together is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the reason wasn't super strong, <laughs> but at least there was a reason. Where yeah, nor- and- normally it's just like here's Howard the Duck, Spider Man. Why don't you swing on to, into his story and, and play with him? Like that's really right. what it normally feels like so i i think right. maybe maybe that's why i'm so okay with this one because i'm used to marvel team up just kind of like being uh somebody smashing two action figures together and, and saying that's a story right did you know what that is exactly what it feels like it feels like a kid playing with like whatever dolls they have <laughs> yeah. right. and like honestly mm-hmm. it was boring for me to have to read spider-man and the hulk now that we're you know fleshing this one out i would rather read son of satan and luke cage than spider-man and the hulk as a team up <laughs> okay well, I, we might as well jump to that one yeah then, sure what did you think of so we should also point out this is a reprint so not only is this issue a fill-in not only does it not have a full spidey story uh, okay. but this hulk and spider-man story is reprinted from a like a newspaper it's like a newspaper thing yeah yeah right um I've so got yeah, yeah it's um yeah, it's um, special newspaper Sunday supplement, whatever that means. Um, yeah. So, yeah. But <laughs> so, um, so yeah, like the Spider-Man Hulk story is kind of interesting. So, um, I guess like for me, the art was what um, kind of interested me the most. Mm-hmm. It's the artist is I'm gonna butcher this. It's uh, Tomoyuki Takanaka, um, right. who I am not familiar with with their artwork um but it was what was interesting to me is and i've seen this in other other artists in comics is like the there's the super dynamic action shots that are like the cool pictures to draw of hulk and spider-man of like hulk like throwing a car or you know tearing you know road apart or something like that and then cool pictures of spider-man where he's like swinging or kicking or you know having a spider sense activator or something like that but then there's all those other panels you have to draw of peter parker talking to bruce banner or Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. bruce banner talking to the homeless guy that um like artists don't get as excited to draw and so those panels aren't i think as as well done um and so so yeah, that's that's kind of a common thing. I I feel like I've seen in a lot of superhero artists, um, in in all ends of the like in all tiers of the you know echelons of comic creators, where it's just like yeah, it's really fun to draw Spider Man fighting the Hulk, but drawing Bruce Banner feeling down on himself in a warehouse, um, that's mm-hmm. not as exciting to draw. But it's like well, I got to <laughs> do this. So, um, but yeah, like a. I feel like, yeah, this one was kind of an interesting, uh, fun little story of, like, paying it forward and everything. Um, it wasn't 
terribly fantastic, but it was also like, what is it, like 10 pages or something like that? So, right, right. right. Um, you can only do so, so much in 10 pages. Um, and I, I mean, it's one thing that like Hulk's pants, like, stay completely fine but the fact that the five dollars stayed completely fine in his you know growing ten times his size is pretty impressive I, I would say I never wa- I never thought that uh, Hulk could carry things in his pockets but it was so I learned that you know <laughs> that is a historical like consistency throughout men's fashion is that your trouser pants have always had the best pockets so heck yeah heck yeah yeah <laughs> uh, so G.I. Jolie, what did you think of this story? I don't know. I just think it's really strange that like they frame this pay it forward story as an obligation. What an obligation to pass a dirty five around. Yeah. Like it's really strange. <laughs> it's so weird um that this is this is the crux of the plot. Because <laughs> there like time passes. Um he gives sorry, Peter Parker gives Bruce Banner the five and he goes on his way and he, days gather into weeks, weeks into months, and spring <laughs> melts into a sultry summer. Like almost a full year passes mm-hmm. by and Bruce Banner has been <laughs> able to control his like inner hulk. He still got that fiver in his like purple pants. <laughs> like no one thinks that's weird. He's also moved to a completely different city. Right. It's a little bit weird. It's a little strange. And he finds himself in the same sort of predicament. Uh, uh, I don't know. Well, you think <laughs> Before, I'm yeah, I'm also going to point out quickly, this story is by Jim Shooter, who's the editor-in-chief at Marvel, and he was very, very particular about how he thought comics should be written. So I actually really liked the story, so I wasn't surprised how it all wrapped up together, and I really did like the art. Um, but Josh, yeah, I wonder what you th- thought of this. The art is really great. Uh, it's very mm-hmm. different uh, from... Uh, from what we normally get with Marvel Comics. I mean, even down right. to, like, how the, the faces are drawn, like, especially mm-hmm. Peter Parker. Like, it has more of, like, a manga feel to it. Um, like, in the okay, yeah. uh, on page uh, original three, like, the top right panel, like, it almost looks like uh, like a, a face that you would see in, like, yeah. a speed racer type of yep, comic. Yep, I can see that, right? yep. So, like, it, it, right. it's, it definitely had it definitely had a nice, like, refreshing feel to read this. Uh when it right. seems like uh, it's very similar, e- like week to week with the, the Spider-Man comics. I will say that I, I really sure. did enjoy the art. Um, this story, I thought, again, uh, like because it was such a short story, I think it was fine. Uh, I think that I I wasn't bothered a whole lot by the by the premise as much as Jolie, I think. Like I, I kind of liked the idea of like passing it on and and like i I didn't feel like it was too ham-fisted because they didn't really have time to like like really like shove it in your face yeah i don't know and well you know the thing is is i also think that if you're gonna put a spider-man story in a sunday you know comic that i'm assuming tens of millions of people are gonna read tons of millions of people are gonna read it's probably better to have a story like this than the Son of Satan and Power Man story, right? Yeah, like, probably. Like, what the hell? What is a kid going to get from that story, right? Like, right. I don't know. I, I, yeah, so I did, for that reason, I definitely like this story. So I'd recommend this one for sure. Uh, Ted, would you recommend this story? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I would recommend the Spider-Man Hulk one just because of the art and just the really fun 
Spider-Man versus Hulk nature of it, and I'd recommend the uh, Power Man, Son of Satan, uh, purely for readers to learn about who the Son of Satan is, because uh, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Julie, would you recommend this? Sure. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Why not? All right. Woo. <laughs> All right, uh, Josh, what do you think of the story? Yeah, I, recommended? I, I don't think I would have recommended the Son of Satan one necessarily, but this mm-hmm. one, I, this one, I, I really did like the art, uh, and I think I'd, I'd definitely show it to somebody to um, kind of see the, the range of, of what Marvel Comics could be. Um, I will also say I, I enjoyed a Hulk story that wasn't the Hulk being a dumb caveman. Right. Like, like seeing see more Good human point. side of him, both as Bruce Banner, and then even later on when he does rage, like to show that even the Hulk has like emotional thoughts and can kind of like recall right. things, and like he doesn't just smash because there's a guy there. He he like stops right. himself. He hands him the dollar and walks away as the Hulk. Like I I also really like that. We didn't have Hulk sitting in on uh, a family's dinner or anything in a cabin. <laughs> yeah, you know, coffee, yeah. yeah. So it, yeah, I, I I think I'd recommend that one. Awesome. Okay, so now we are going to wrap up with Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, and Ted. You can tell us what this one is about. Yeah, yeah. So this one was um, it's a double-sized issue. Uh, so lots of lots of story, lots of art to go through. But uh, we pick up. <laughs> Um, learning some Latin because the title is uh, Fere right. Nature. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's Wild Beasts in Latin. Uh, but yeah, so Spider-Man is discovering that, oh my god, Black Cat is alive. Um, I don't know what happened in the previous issue, but yeah, seems like pretty reasonable uh, to be know. happy about anyway. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah, well they do go into like what happened because yet another flashback, but um, but yeah, so like the premise is is that um, Doc Ock and the Owl um, are are having this like growing gang war on the streets of New York, and Spider-Man's trying to stop it and everything, and. Um, and Black Cat has this MacGuffin, uh, which is the, uh, like the, the, at, at first we don't know, really know what it is, but it's like something that Doc Ock really wants. And she stole it from Kingpin, which is pretty, pretty gutsy for anybody to do. Uh, but Spider-Man's like, yeah, heck yeah, I'll help you. I'll, you know, team up with you because you're hot. And they go to her <laughs> hotel room and they're totally going to do it um, until Doc Ock bursts in uh, because um, he had been holding her captive. And um, I guess there was some sort of like cat and octopus relationship going on there. Um, but yeah okay so he's he's a uh, angry ex-boyfriend that is wanting her back and wanting his uh, thing that she stole from Kingpin so Spider-Man and Doc Ock get in a fight in this snazzy hotel room and it's pretty crazy lots of cool stuff of Spider-Man and Black Hat fighting him off um, and then uh, Doc Ock um, he gets the he gets the activator thing 
Um, <laughs> and so Spider-Man is chasing him around and loses him or something like that. So then he's got to go to Kingpin to find out what it is. So busts up some Kingpin thugs. Kingpin's like, yeah, Doc Ock is crazy. He wants to blow up New York with that activator switch that is for the bomb that Owl has. Um, and so... Uh, Kingpin is like legit scared, which was kind of an interesting thing to read because um, Kingpin right. is, you know, never, never scared of anything. But he's like, yeah, I'm getting out of here because the city's going to blow up and I won't make money. So, um, but yeah, so Spider Man is, you know, of course questioning like what's what should he do? What's right? Because you know, should I, you know, black black cat is this criminal, but I have such strong feelings for her and stuff, and then. We get to Owl's um, lair, nest place, um, and Doc Ock and his 100 goons or whatever burst in to, uh, they just start blasting the place up, and there's this really super amazing splash page Mm -hmm. of Doc Ock with Black Cat in tow, and uh, the activator switch bursting in and just a hundred owl goons and octopus <laughs> goons fighting each other on the ground and it is just a gorgeous splash page um, and Spider-Man comes in because he's got to join the fight too so everybody's of course attacking him um, and Spider-Man tries so Doc Ock and Owl are fighting uh, Spider-Man's trying to stop them, get the activator switch, and save Black Cat. Black Cat's trying to get free, and, I mean, it's just lots of stuff going on. It's just classic, classic Spider-Man stuff. Um, and then, so, <coughs> stuff changes hands. Black Cat, you know, is helping out. Um, and eventually, Doc Ock defeats Owl. And, uh, and yeah, so, like, Spider-Man is just trying to take on... Uh, Doc Ock and you know it's Doc Ock is like proving in this book that he's like there's a reason why he's one of Spider-Man's main villains like he is you know really going toe to toe with him Mm -hmm. and Black Cat and eventually um, what's really kind of cool is um, Spider-Man in just this pure rage uh, friggin like rips his uh tentacle metal arms off of him and there's this like holy crap moment like wow it's getting intense here because Doc Ock is feeling real pain with that so he just like passes out and it's weird there's this weird shot of like the the tentacles like wiggling Mm -hmm. by themselves so that's like super creepy but um but yeah so Spider-Man you know he he rescues you know Black Cat. She's okay. He st- saves Manhattan. All that stuff. But man, it, it was it was a pretty cool story. Um, just like kind of your you know a perfect example of like this is if you were to introduce anybody to like kind of that you know '80s era Spider Man, this is a great example of it because it's just lots of villains, lots of characters. Spider Man like always like trying to catch up to like what the bad guys are doing and just great action um and and yeah so um i will say um there is well i said that there was like that one splash page that was just absolutely gorgeous Mm -hmm. um what is it page 29 uh has this big panel of spider-man beating up 
a bunch of thugs and dodging laser bolts and everything. And like I said earlier, so like as an artist, like drawing Spider-Man mm. is tons of fun because he's always got these crazy poses. But I think uh, I don't I don't remember who the artist was on this, but the artist went a little too far with this pose because oh my gosh like spider-man's leg is like not attached to his body yeah. and twisting in a weird way it is so weird so yeah like i mean so yeah well no i was just gonna uh, say breakdowns are by al milgram who's notoriously a bad artist but the inks are by jim mooney who is mm -hmm. one of my favorites and I do, yeah, some of the layouts are rough, but I just think Jim Mooney gives it such a nice polish, especially with yeah. the women. Like, the way he draws Black Cat is so mm -hmm. subtle, so yeah. good. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I really like the art in this issue. So, overall, you were a fan of the art then? Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a lot of really great panels, and and that's, um, I mean, it's definitely a, a good testament to what... Um, like what an anchor does um, when you're working with um, breakdowns, which are supposed to be like pretty loose. Um, mm. And so um, I've definitely heard the term embellisher as well um, for something like that. And so it's like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of really cool panels in this of, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Black Cat especially. Like, um, at the very beginning when, like, Spider-Man and her kiss, I really loved that it was this three-panel moment instead of just, like, a quick, like, you know, oh, they kiss or right, you know, big right. splash page. But this is, like, three separate panels to um, illustrate the time uh, between each moment. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, just, like, it's, it's one of those things where it's, like, um, the action in it is really... Um, amazing because you've got what is it like 30 something pages to fill and a lot of it is Spider-Man fighting Doc Ock but there's never like anything nothing's ever repeated it's never the same types of poses never the same types of attacks it's all mm -hmm. new and all different all the time mm -hmm. and that's just that's really impressive for just in in any regular issue but like a double sized issue would that would be even more of a challenge so um, the art really impressed me with this, definitely. Except for that one panel. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I, I really love a lot of um, the way the panels were set up. Maybe not necessarily the layout inside of them, but like the shape of things and like the timing, like you were saying with the, the kiss. Um, it I wrote, wrote down that um, what I loved about it too is we see so many panels of them like embracing in that kiss and they're so close. And like we really mm -hmm. get to like live in that moment, and then the next mm -hmm. page, the next panel, they're like, Spider-Man is like pushing her away. Like it's just it, you can feel that like snap reaction of like living in in the moment, and then all of a sudden being like pull, pulled right out of it. So I, yeah. I really yeah. love the juxtaposition between those like few panels, and then the next one on the next page. It's really great. Um, mm -hmm. And then there even like some of the flashback stuff. Normally, flashbacks are really boring, and there's a lot of them in, in this issue. But I, I think that the, the panel layout <clears throat> at least made it somewhat interesting. Like, when Spider-Man starts recalling what, what, like, his side of the story, we have, like, right. a full page of, like, almost his face. And then there's panels over to the right uh, on top of his face. So it's, like, kind of, like, uh, without having, like, the bubbles coming out of his head to s show you that's what he's thinking, it, it kind of has that right. feel. Right, um, right. And then, uh, and then, like on the next page, we have a close up of Black Cat's eyes, and then it jumps into her 
POV of what happened in the backstory. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like, it's I just, loved that. Yeah, I loved that. There's some just yeah. some really great stuff that they used to kind of show the the flashback side of things um, that I thought was clever and and it made me interesting. Like even though I had, had already read all of these comics and knew this backstory, it kept me interested and and I wasn't like like slogging through. Uh, right the backstory so i i surprisingly didn't mind it this time uh gi julie what did you think of this issue didn't think that um the art was like too terrible uh there are definitely some tests of human anatomy going on (laughs) um like there i don't know i just i i'm having a lot of trouble with the the way that these comics like I love I'm beginning to like understand what it is about Spider-Man that everyone loves so dearly but the the treatment of women in these comics in the 80s is really it like she's just like like Black Cat clearly we're getting rid of Deborah just so we could get to Black Cat Mm -hmm. and like she's just treated as a slutty sex bomb Mm -hmm. the moment she she's she hits paper and like i mean let's see what is it digital page i think it's 28 where we're like all but staring if it weren't for the um thin layers of her like rendered clothing we'd be staring into her bowels like (laughs) why would you draw somebody like that i just i don't understand and uh, like honestly it, it feels like we rushed uh we rushed spider-man out of his relationship to deborah to get Mm -hmm. to here with like and and maybe i'm a little bit angry too that like this is a character that i haven't read a lot about and could potentially be interested in but for the entire span of all of the action she's knocked out and Mm. she's just placed on a high ledge like a doll so that the men can fight good point good point so that the men can fight for eight pages (laughs) <laughs> and like as much as you guys were like this is great the action's great and i was like this is taking forever what the hell is going on mm-hmm. this is stupid yeah and then she finally wakes up but she's bested because doc ock's got a billion arms so and she's suddenly she's not uh the person she was before like jumping around and being cat-like and being kind of like like stealthy ninja and uh, I, I don't know like she got out of other situations before in order to to get the detonator mm-hmm. to <laughs> peter but now suddenly when all four of them are in like a fight to the death over these things she's just useless mm-hmm. that's kind of like when dazzler was scared of a spider so i think peter parker had to kill the spider for her or something oh boy like yeah. This anyway. this woman probably sees like more bullshit than these dudes do on the daily, but <laughs> like including misogyny. But we'll just leave her out of it. Like, right. what yeah. a waste. Yeah, I definitely agree that it would have been so much better if she was much more like a part of the story, especially in that climactic battle scene, where if she was, you know taking an active role um, because she's obviously proved again and again that Black Cat can do that. I think, like, personally, like, I don't know, like, as as a young boy reading comics, like, this this would have been 
like I, I didn't read this issue when I was a kid. So like this, this is definitely this would have been one of my first you know exposures to like a sexual character that's like yeah no Spider-Man you and I we're gonna sleep together type thing and so mm-hmm. in that aspect I thought that, like that was kind of cool that um but I since I didn't read the previous issue I didn't really even know about the uh what's her name Deborah or something like that so Deborah uh, Whitman, yeah. yeah no one's so, still it's, it's she's still a mystery to all uh, of us okay <laughs> um but but yeah so like um I kind of like I like it when the you know a character like Black Cat can be both like seductive and action and like you know mm-hmm. you know going toe to toe with you know Doc Ock or something like that. I think that would have been um, much more interesting. Uh, so I definitely agree with you on that one, Jolie. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially since like we see her get captured at the beginning. And then we also mm-hmm. get a like a backstory of how she was captured before by Doc Ock, and then when she's captured this time, she's just knocked out. And then even when she comes to, she gets like thrown on the ground, and Spider Man still comes in to save her. So like, mm-hmm. like I- I'm all for characters having weaknesses and not always winning and not always losing. But this scene, this is not the way to do it. Like if she were to have been the one that ends up saving Spider-Man at the end of the issue and like ripping off uh, Doc Ock's arms I think that would have been a lot stronger because it could we could have seen like the two sides of it like when she's down he comes to the rescue and when he's down she comes to the rescue and that's why their dynamic works so well together but we don't see right. that at all like we, we just see Spider-Man coming in and saving the girl which sucks because I do want to know more about her and uh, see her in action so yeah, exactly. Because it's like, as of now, I don't even know what her superpower is. She could be <laughs> strong enough. She could be strong enough to rip Doc Ock's arms off. But unfortunately, we only know from what we've read that she has two abilities. The the ability to look sexy as and the second ability to pun about pussy all the time. <laughs> That's it. That's all we know about her. And then, like... Wait, the third, her third ability, she clearly, like, is horny? (laughs) Like, stop, stop. Yeah. And what what an image that would have been for, like, Doc Ock has captured her and had her, like, in his tentacles, and then she's the one that tears them off. Um, that would have been be a really great. cool, like, kind of, right. yeah, women's lip Because even there. if she's not, like, if she doesn't have the super strength as Spider-Man, she has, like, claws and stuff, right? So, like, maybe having that aspect, like, Spider-Man hasn't been able to rip off Doc, Doc Ock's arms before, but she was able to, like, dig her na- nails in and, like, rip them to shreds. Like, that's, you know, like, again, the two of them working together. Or get together. a weapon or some machinery something. and just yeah, hack them like, off or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, if, Or, like... Mm-hmm. She could just claw his eyes out like an actual cat. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's go the, to the thing theme. Is that yeah. This issue was 41 pages, but in my opinion, there was a lot of filler. Like, there was a lot of fighting at the end. And I know we someone commented that nothing repeated, but at the same time, there could have been more story, right? Right. They could have used those the last half of the book so, maybe to flesh out Black Cat more. Yeah, to me too, the, the fighting didn't always work for me because... I I really I, need to know what dim, what alternate dimension this museum is in because I hate, yeah I hated that I hated I hate that. it what what is the ceiling what like 
Well, I, well, I don't understand that, what's happening. I don't really get where they are. Like, I it's I guess it's kind of the rooftop, but these beams also like come all the way to the ground as well. Like, is this a Salvador Dali Archite- painting? What is happening? Right. Like, it's so architecture by Frank Gehry. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so yeah. That's weird. the thing is like when you when you've already got Spider Man and Doctor Octopus and Black Cat, you want to ground it right in something that looks real. So just putting it in this bizarre environment just makes it feel more like just mindless kind of action right, right. and like and it's not grounded at all they i believe in the previous issue uh we spider-man and doc ock and uh the owl are in this museum fighting right and they show the hayden planetarium sign in the background so we know this is a real uh-huh. place so then in this issue to have this like weird like d- dimensional like part of the museum that makes zero sense it like completely pulls me out of it like i i really Mm -hmm. that really bothers me that it's just like i guess it's just to get away with not having to like think about the layout and where they are in space and i think that just feels lazy to me Uh, again like i I know it's it was last issue but comparing it to last issue we see the real like we see this museum as a real place we know where this is right so Right. Uh, I wonder if it was also a time issue because since it was a double sized issue, I wonder double, if they just had it, to like churn possible. out more art um, and just had to like blaze through backgrounds and stuff, which is definitely not uncommon. So, um, so yeah, that could have been it too. Yeah, and and also the fact that they're fighting. Let's just go back to the fact that they're fighting in a planetarium. They have to sort of plot out what's going to happen between four characters. Um, this is. A per- the perfect place for the owl to fight but he's rendered useless mm-hmm. um, because because Doc Ock is like wait a second we're in the dark this sucks I can't see in the dark but you know pussycat maybe you can <laughs> like a real kitty see in the yeah. dark but no that's false the owl can see in the dark and he should totally be owning the situation but like he's taken out relatively quickly this is also um, his place by- yeah. yeah, like mm-hmm. it's his gang's hideout. Home like, court and, territory. And he <laughs> gets owned. Yeah, uh, it's terrible. Well, <laughs> so here's the thing. Overall, I actually think this might be my favorite issue of the month. Uh, mostly because of the art, but I, I did think the story was good. It obviously wasn't perfect, but it still felt more like a classic Spider-Man story to me. So yeah. I definitely would read it again. I'd recommend it. Uh, Ted, what about you? Um, yeah, like. Like I was saying earlier, it definitely just feels like um, a great example of Spider-Man, like, you know, of that era. And so I definitely recommend it for that. And just if you want just truly mindless, you know, Spider-Man action, it's a good book for that. Definitely. And I mean, some of the art is really like all of our comments aside. I think the art is a lot to to learn from. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree. G.I. Jolie, what do you think? (laughs) Like, for all the complaints that I have, yeah, I guess this is a little better thought out. I just, I wanted them to do better by Black Cat. I don't care if uh, if a character just wants to have sex. Just write it better. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm here to read that comic, too. But just, like, give me some more story, please. Mm-hmm. Josh. 
Yeah, I, I I think I agree with pretty much everybody that like the 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 art for the most part is really fun. The panel layout is uh, mm. I think great. There's some really creative stuff in here. Um, honestly, I think that this story suffers from being the double sized. Uh, I think that yeah, like right. there, there's a lot of things that are just kind of filler and like a lot of things probably could have just been cut out and we could have like jumped right into the story and it might have helped with like some of the storytelling and problems that we have with it. Um, but overall, I, I would recommend it. It's not my favorite, I think, of this week. I think I still liked Amazing better, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, still still a, a recommend. So uh, you can find us over at the Comic Book Syndicate, uh, pretty much anywhere you can find uh, podcasts. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, you can find us on Facebook and YouTube there. Um, and then uh, on Twitter, we have a new uh, Twitter account. Let me pull that up real quick, because <laughs> I, well, I, I have, uh, I have Comic Syndicate memorized. I always forget what the the new one is. It's uh, at HCT Spidercast. There you go. On Twitter. We want to know what you guys think about the, the issues that we're talking about and then the podcast itself. So please uh, leave us a review or comment, and uh, we'd love to keep that conversation going. Excellent. All right. So once again, we want to thank Ted Woods and G.I. Julie for joining us. We're definitely going to have you guys back on again. Awesome. So, yeah, for sure. More fun to come. You're welcome. So until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spider Cast. <laughs>